Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Ventures Podcast. Today's episode is with Dr. Liz Swigert. She has a PhD in organizational leadership, and we explore the question together about how forming DAOs, decentralized autonomous organizations, is different than forming traditional organizations, and not, and not just forming, but, but the leadership of these organizations. How is it fundamentally different? How is the paradigms of starting a DAO different than starting a traditional startup? So we explore a, a number of different questions. We had limited time for this recording, so we could basically consider this a part one. But if you are listening to this episode, you can also watch by visiting wclittle.com. There you'll see uh, more extensive show notes and, and different links to the things that we talk about today. And if you're watching, you can also listen anywhere that you get your podcasts. You can just search for Ventures. So with that, please enjoy this episode with Liz Swigert. All right, Liz, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be with you. So you and I both have a, a set of very interesting questions about how to form organizations. And you are uh, much more of the expert here. In fact, you have done doctoral work on organizational design, organizational leadership. Would you mind just teeing us up? Tell us a little bit about your background and, and why you're sort of interested in this problem space. Absolutely. So. Um... I have, a, I have a pretty varied professional background, but I, I spent about 20 years of my career uh, largely focused on uh, something, it's, it's a pretty esoteric form of uh, international tax structuring called transfer pricing. I spent a lot of my time curious about how we allocate income and expense in line with the perceived creation of value. So mm. what does that mean? Mm. That means that uh, you have different parties who do things, right? There's three ways to make money. You make money based on what you do, your functions. You make money based on what you own, your tangible and intangible assets. And you make money based on how much risk you are willing to take. Theoretically, the more risk, the more reward. Now, how all the parties in a transaction affect each of those different things, that impacts how much you think that they're going to make as a result. And so when you deal with large multinationals, all of those transactions are taking place internally. So they're all related to each other. So we have a whole structure internationally of laws that require that companies deal with each other as if they were unrelated. Hmm. So it's this whole question of how do you understand how value is created, how that's perceived in different places by different people. And then based on all of that information and all of the laws and regulations, how do you help businesses to function? And as we, as, as I moved into my doctoral work, as you said, I have a PhD in organizational leadership. Um, that's psychology. Uh, how the, the question becomes then, well, as we, as our organizations grow and evolve and as our leaders grow and evolve and they move from very centralized models to decentralized models, how then do we understand how value is created? And then how do we help to create models, innovative models, new, new approaches to the way that we reward that value creation when how we understand value is changing every single day? Mm. So as you said, there are lots of questions here and they're really big and hard and important questions that we need to answer because our world is changing so rapidly. And these are things that we need to understand so that we can frankly contribute to greater equity and justice. I love it. I love it. Okay. So the first set of questions that I have and what prompted this 
conversation is around the differences between starting and leading a traditional organization, like a traditional startup, I live in startup land a lot, versus starting a, a decentralized autonomous organization, a DAO, right? Because fundamentally, the person who has the idea or the, or the, the, the group of people who have this idea, uh, register a website, get some Twitter domains and social media usernames, uh, they start a Discord. They they do a variety of different things that that start building assets, right? In in, in your in the language that you set up there, they're building value for this new thing mm-hmm. right out of the gate. The vision for DAOs is that it's it is a decentralized and autonomous. Often the autonomous part is missed. Organization where there are it's it is a um, there's no real centralization of power. Now, obviously that takes time to go from centralization to decentralization, but my real set of questions are, how is that different from traditional orgs to decentralized orgs? And I'm curious, even just to riff on this a little bit with you, um, how you're thinking about it in light of entering this space, this Web3 space, and how this intersects with different questions that you've been asking yourself over the over the you know a subsequent or, or previous period of time that you've been doing this work. Well, thank you. And um, Vermont, how much time do we have? <laughs> so, you know, as I as I start to think about it, what you you brought up something really important, right? So, what's the first step? Well, the first step is to create these assets and to try to draw the parameters, right? What are the lines? What what are the lines that we're going to color in in this particular organization? How do we delimit ourselves? And as you talked about, you know, one person, and and that's that's frankly how it's how the internet is set up right now, right? It's set up for um, a single individual, um, or or maybe a tight group of individuals, to have control over a set of assets, uh, the keys to the kingdom, the passwords, the user IDs, the access to these accounts, and. As we, as as you you set that out, right? That's our current conceptualization of value, mm. right? The value is in those particular assets. Whereas, as we're starting to think about, well, in a decentralized autonomous organization, actually, the, the value is is in the individuals, mm. right? It is in them and their identities as they are as they are self sovereign. Mm-hmm. That's that's the value. The the is the value really that you have these access to these accounts and these systems that are our web two systems, or are you starting to see that the value is less in those particular assets of organization and more so in the individuals that make up the organization? Mm. So I, I think it's a, it's a whole, there's a whole mindset shift that has to happen as part of this because the forming process in a traditional organization um, and, and, you know, I, I know you and I have, have joked before about, you know, the forming, storming, norming, performing, and then the adjourning, mm-hmm. um, you know, breaking up is hard to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in that forming stage in traditional organizations, there tends to be this prolonged honeymoon, like roommate, everybody being nice to each other, period. It's very tentative, right? There's, there's these sort of initial forays into, okay, well, who's in charge and who's dependent on whom and what are, what's the stuff that we have and, and do we trust each other yet? Whereas in this world that we're moving into, trust is baked into the system because you have an immutable permanent record of all of your transactions. In that sense, right, trust is a transactional concept. 
in that sense, you actually have a framework of relationship that exists out of the gate. Whereas in a traditional organization, that's not necessarily true. Mm. In a traditional organization, you have questions about, well, take voting power. Is it how much I own of the overall organization that, that equates to my level of control or ability to exert control in the organization? Or is there some sort of a one for one, right? One person, one partner, one vote. And as you think about how are organizations in our new world coming together, well, we already have a framework for how we're going to transact. We already have a way of, of demonstrating, we have transparency. So in a sense, we're sort of skipping some stages and getting right into a question of, well, who are we as individuals? And then from, from our, our cultural perspective, this fragmentation that already exists, right? Between what is it that drives some members and not others? And then how do those members communicate with one another and share in their collective, their collective purpose? So what advice would you have? There's a lot of literature out there, a rapidly growing body of literature around how to organize and lead DAOs at scale. But how would you take the, the research that you have done, the learnings that you've done in your work and apply it to the very first steps? And what advice would you have for individuals thinking about starting DAOs right now based on the sort of timeless principles that have existed in organizational design and leadership? since antiquity? Oh, that's such, that's an, that's an awesome question to get into. The first thing I would say is, is that um, it's a question of, of identity, right? Knowing who are you mm. and who are we as a, as a collective, it's, it's a question of, of having a very clear sense as to your core values and as to the purpose of why you are together. Because once you have a sense of who you are and why you are, then you can start to make meaning out of why you're all together. And so I think that the core of, of the Tao creation is around the identity, right? And then we get into like the whole idea, right, of, of your identity being something that is yours, that you control, and that you control access to. Hmm. So first things first is what what are we here? Who are we? And what are we together that is different than what we are individually? Why are we here? What is our purpose in being here? And then what is the meaning we want to take and make from that? And as you move into that, then I think you start to set yourself up with a question of, okay, what are our goals? And what are the objectives we have to attain those goals? But more than anything, I think that it has to be treated as a process of discovery and a curiosity-led process. Mm. To me, this is more about questions than it is answers. What's generative in the process of forming a DAO versus forming a traditional organization is that in the DAO, the goal should be to generate more questions, not necessarily more answers. You don't come to it for the perspective of an answer because an answer is coming top down. Mm. In this case, it, it rises from it rises from the group. Mm. Another way to think about it is the difference between quantitative and qualitative. Mm. Quantitative research, you go in with a hypothesis 
and you look to the data to prove or disprove your hypothesis. That is a very top-down, post-positivist approach. DAOs are qualitative in the sense that you go in with an idea of what it is that you want to do or discover, and then it is the data, it is the individuals, it is this autonomous, you know, decentralized collective that presents the answer. And so it's really trying to make meaning from the data as opposed to using the data to, to validate what you perceive the meaning to be. So it's, it's, very, it's, it's a very different approach because it's not top down and it's driven by questions, not driven by answers. I love that. Yeah. I, you know, I've been advising and starting companies and investing in companies and, and advising um, entrepreneurs at the earliest stages of their journey for 10, 15 years now. And it's always, it, it always has somewhat bothered me that it's a very transactional process. Traditionally, it's, you have this idea and then you're, you're, you're trading shares in your company, stock in your company, units in your company for a fair market or hopefully a fair market exchange of value, right? Some kind of exchange of value, but you're, you're essentially putting a value on your idea, a value on the, the money or the time that somebody's putting in. And then you're slowly diluting your, your, your ownership of this thing to create a collectively larger pie for everybody. And hopefully from a purely capitalistic standpoint, you and your investors and your team get, get um, wealthy. And, but that's limited to the subset, very small set of people. And that's sort of the traditional way that we've gone. What, what I'm hearing is that when starting a DAO, you are, your identity as, a, as, a, <laughs> as an entrepreneur and as a group is fundamentally different. And you're, you're thinking about the vision that you want to achieve. You're not necessarily thinking about making a boatload of money off of, in fact, your Ideas, idealistically, you're probably not. This is why it's fundamentally very different. You're, 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 com you're, you're driven by the vision that you want to see achieved. You're forming a community of people and establishing those values, the, that mission, those goals, those OKRs, however you want to define it. And you're collectively going after that vision. And yes, if you have a treasury to manage, hopefully you can draw, start drawing salary. Maybe some types of DAOs may actually have tokens that are part of that governance that may turn into value creation for all of the community. Some DAOs don't have transferable tokens. And, you know, I, I referred listeners to other podcasts that we've done on that. But it just sounds like when you're starting a DAO, you fundamentally approach it very differently. You basically assume that you're not going to have centralized control over it. And it's you're more looking for opportunities to how can you decentralize this as fast as possible to people that you trust. Now, this is the key question, at least one of the key questions. How, Liz, how should founders of DAOs think about trust and, and trusting the people around them? Like, how, what are even frameworks or heuristics to even think about that question? And how much time do we have? <laughs> so trust, trust is inherently a transactional concept. And the thing is that we often take transactional as inherently negative, and it's not. Mm. Transaction is the foundation of human interaction. It, it's called social exchange. Mm. I do this, you do that, whether either you feel inspired to do it or you feel compelled to do it. Mm. It's, it's not inherently negative, and it's an important part of how we're wired as human beings to, to interact with one another. What, what is often the case is that transactional becomes exploitative. 
And that's where, that's where things start to fall apart. So mm. when, when I think about a DAO coming together, that's relating. It's not trust. When you relate, in other words, when you have points of resonance, right? We are coming together to form this DAO because we, we resonate with each other around certain core values, objectives, goals, expectations. So in the case of, in, in the, case of, of the DAO that brought us together, right? It's curiosity, it's education, it's learning. It's a shared value of, of betterment, continuous improvement through educating yourself and others. And all, all other things out, that's the point of resonance. So when you have resonance, when you have empathy, and when you have grace, mm. when you can make a mistake and come back from it, mm. that is relating. That's different from trust. Trust is inherently transactional because it is a question of how much of an account have you built up with me whereby I can believe that you will follow through on an action mm. beyond what I have seen you do before, right? Trust is the bridge, right? It's the bridge currency between what I know you will do and what I believe you could do, but have not seen you do. Mm. Now you build up trust, like you collect, like, you know, you collect quarters, but when you break trust, when you don't perform as expected, and I have extended my, my grace to you in doing that, you don't follow through, then to re-earn that trust, it's like trying to gather pennies. Mm. That's why it feels like it's so hard to rebuild trust. But you have trust as the basis when you don't have resonance, you don't have empathy, and you don't have an extension of grace. And so when I think about, when I think about DAOs, you have within the blockchain, a, a setup already to address the accounting, so to speak, of follow through, right? I have, I have ways of guaranteeing that this particular transaction will go through, will be recorded, is immutable, and, and will be settled instantaneously, right? Mm -hmm. There's a whole system that's creating as we speak to address that. That's trust. It's the relating piece. It's the, I am willing to tie myself to you and to do this with you without the expectation that it will lead to personal gain for me at your expense. The belief that together we can create an abundance, whereas individually we compete for scarce resources. Mm. That is based in relating and relating is a very different place to be. So as, as people are thinking about forming, forming DAOs, right? It's, it's immutable. Like this is, this, this is forever, right? It, it's not going, I mean, we already said the internet was forever. This is really forever. Mm. Um, in the sense that once you create these things in the chain, they're there. And so as you're thinking about how do we create organizations in a new space that are based in in the, the idea that, that working together, collaborating, we can achieve an abundance. Whereas in the prior space, the idea was we are coming together so that we can get our share of scarce resources and amass power by keeping those scarce resources out of the hands of others. Mm. Totally different way of looking at the world. 
That is absolutely beautiful. Okay, I know we had very limited time for this quick part one. Thanks for carving out time. If people wanted to follow the conversation, obviously we are part of Red Pill DAO. I'll put links in the show notes. Anybody who's watching or listening, feel free to come join us there. But where, Liz, can people find you online if they are interested in, in reaching out to you? Um, if you want to find me, you can you can find me uh, on my website, lizswigert.com. Um, and you can also look me up on, on LinkedIn. I always love, uh, I always love hearing from folks. You can never know too many, uh, generous, empathetic, kind, excellent, resourceful people. Mm. Well, Liz, uh, really appreciate your time. Looking forward to uh, follow-up conversations. Definitely. Thanks so much. All right. A couple quick things before you go. Number one, I have a general newsletter where I write about technology and startups and health science and teaching people to code. And I write about a variety of different subjects that we talk about on this show. So if you go to wclittle.com, there you'll be able to subscribe. And you'll also be able to subscribe to particular topics. If you're just interested in one or a few of them, you'll be notified right when I publish new content in those areas. Number two, my partners and I at Proto Ventures have a portfolio company called Startup Rocket. If you go to startuprocket.com, there you'll be able to receive coaching guides and customize an operations framework for you and your team and your advisors to be on the same page in terms of what is the appropriate next step for you and your entrepreneurial journey. And finally, if you wouldn't mind leaving a review anywhere that you have listened to this podcast or watched this podcast, it'd be super helpful to help those who might be interested in consuming this content as well. Thank you.